You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsors, uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. As you well know, if you've been following This is Oklahoma, they've been a huge part of this podcast. So this podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Also for the podcast, a new sponsor, RCB Bank. The home market is booming and RCB Bank is here for you. If you're in the market to buy a home, a mortgage pre-qualification will make the process much easier. Talk to one of our mortgage professionals today. RCB Bank, that's my bank. With approved credit, terms and restrictions apply, member FDIC, equal housing lender, RCB Bank, NMLS 798151. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, host, back with another episode uh, I was about to say down at the studio, but we're not. Uh, coming to you from LA today, my guest is Madison Sells uh, in LA, and we're going to dive into all the reasons that she's in LA. Um, I'd much rather be in LA right now because, as you just said, it's 60, high 60s, and that feels fantastic, but we'll get there. Um, well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate you know your your uh, you wanted to do this and share some stories. And I'm sure there's mothers listening, or maybe some young girls listening, or or you know guys really that they'll take some insight and something from this podcast that may be of value. If not, we're just going to tell cool stories while you're traveling the world because that reading your bio, it seems like you've done that a lot. I have, I have. And thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. And yeah, like I, like you said, I hope someone, I don't know, takes something away from this or, or has a fun time listening. <laughs> sure. Uh, so let's start right at the beginning then. Where were you born and raised? I was born in Woodward, Oklahoma. So born in good old Oklahoma. And then I was raised kind of throughout Texas and Oklahoma, but I call Oklahoma home for sure. <laughs> it's where all my family resides now up in like Northeast or Northwest Oklahoma City area. Um, so I went to, I went to a few semesters of high school in between all the crazy modeling at Piedmont. Um, so anywhere general Oklahoma city area is just like where I call home. Got you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, family, brothers and sisters, all that. Yeah. Yeah. So my mom and my little sister, who's 11, she's a baby lover to death. They are up in Northwest Oklahoma city, as well as all my family, they're kind of scattered throughout like Tulsa, Stillwater area. And then I've got one, one dad, one family member who's over in Germany, but everyone else is Oklahoma based. Yeah, yeah. So from a young age then, um, I mean, looking at your bio, you, you signed or got picked up at like 13. Before yeah. you get signed and everything, are you just kind of living like the childhood life, running around, having a good time? Or are you thinking I'm in pageants? Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, absolutely. I was kind of approached with the opportunity to model in a magazine, an Oklahoma-based magazine called Brag Book whenever I was in seventh grade. So I was like 12, 13 and a family friend ran it and she just approached me with the idea. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. And it had been something I had never once thought of. I didn't even know that modeling was a career, something I could make my life or make money off of. And so when she came to me with the idea, I was like, yeah, of course, like who wouldn't say yes to that? And so I did it. And then it was through that, that I met my mother, agent Heather with Brink models there in Oklahoma city. And she connected me and she opened my eyes to the entire fashion industry and was able to get me to where I am now. Um, but no, growing up, it was very much. So, you know, you go to school every single day, Monday through Friday, and you hang out with your friends and you, you go shopping at the mall or you go to the movie theaters and just like jump on your trampoline on the weekend 
things like those are just like the tip or go to the lake, like very Oklahoma, very typical childish things that I was doing. And then I was just kind of thrown into this world and embraced it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so, so you meet Heather, who's obviously been previous guest on the podcast. Um, what's like mom and family and everyone think of this time where, where, you know, you're like, Hey, this is an option. This is something for me. I mean, when you're like that young as well, right. There's, you know, you're still a child, like you're 12, 13, 14 years old. And so, Hey, you have a career in modeling. Let's, let's see what we can do. What was that conversation like with mom and women and family? You know, everyone has always been crazy supportive of me, my entire family. And I'm so thankful for that. But I will say, I think going into it, whenever they were like, yeah, we'll sign you with a local Oklahoma-based modeling agency. I don't think they'd anticipated then just a few months later, I would sign worldwide and be sent off to Asia. Um, so going into it, everyone was super supportive. And still, as these things progressed, and I did sign with IMG Models Worldwide and started planning my first big trip overseas, everybody was so supportive. But it was just such... Um, like a catapult from nothing to a hundred so quickly that I think it just kind of honestly shocked everybody. And we just had to go with the flow and luckily everybody was, and they were all so supportive. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned your, that your mother model Heather. So that mm-hmm. must've been great for your family as well to have someone like her to be so supportive and like, you know, I'll take care of her. This is all the plan. Like, you know, it, it definitely helps having someone like that who knows the industry that that's like I said, going to be your mother in that industry and take care of you. Absolutely. I've known Heather since I was 13. So for 10 years now, and I still talk to her on a very regular basis and we'll have FaceTimes and we'll catch up. And I know, you know, all three of her kids and it's, she is a family member to me. Like I, it's funny sometimes because there's like, a, there's a little age difference there. So like, I sometimes I'll refer to her as a mom and then she's like, no, I'm not your mom. Like I'm your older sister. Like, you know, whatever, but she's, she's my person. I go to her for personal advice as well as anything professional, but she right away took me in and took me under her wing and has been a guiding light for the past 10 years. And so, yeah, having her and her previous experience in the industry, cause she modeled as well and was in pageants and, and did the whole thing. Um, she really, it has just been such a big benefactor and I would not be where I am without her guidance. And so I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned going to Asia. Mm-hmm. Like I said it progressed real quick. You so did. <laughs> walk us through like what, I mean, there's people listening that don't understand what it means to sign worldwide and mm-hmm. be a model and model and stuff like that. So explain what that is and then what it's like being that young and thinking, you know what, I'm going to Asia, which is halfway around the world. Somewhere <laughs> I've never been right. Growing up in Woodward or in Oklahoma, like that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Absolutely. So when you sign with an agency, typically whatever state or city they are in, that is the only place they'll represent, represent you in. So when I signed to Heather in Oklahoma, she only books me jobs throughout Oklahoma and Oklahoma city. So then if I wanted to work in other areas of, you know, our country or other countries, I had to sign with agencies in those cities. So Heather reached out and sent my portfolio, which is basically just, you know, images of me that have been taken professionally to agencies all over the world. And one of them, IMG models, um, who represents huge names, some of the biggest stars in the entire industry, um, liked me and they offered me a contract to sign in New York, London, Milan, Paris, and Australia. And so I did that and I signed and therefore I had an agency in each one of those cities. But because I was so young, because at the time I was like 13, 14, it wasn't, I could work over here in the States, but it wouldn't have been a lot. And it would have, there are a lot of laws, um, in the industry for 
child models. So kind of a way about that was simply to be like, Hey, do you want to go over to Asia and you can start working full time? And so I signed with agencies in Singapore and Tokyo. And so right away, once I'd signed with IMG and they're based out of New York, they, they were like, okay, well, we want to get you started right now. So I signed with them. And then like a month later or less, I had already had these contracts in Asia. And so I did, I went to Singapore first and, and at the time it's so funny. I was 14. I'd never been out of the country. I purposely, you know, we had to go get a passport so that I could do these things. We had to get the visas. We had to, you know, just do everything. There was a list. There was months and months of planning or as long as we could have before I had to go over. And then I went and I had a two month contract in Singapore for the first time that I went, I believe. And then I hopped over to Tokyo right after that. And I I was thrown in. I started working full time. You know, I got there. I think the next day I landed, I think at like midnight in Singapore. And the next day at 8 a.m., I had to go into my agency and meet the whole crew, take digitals. And then they sent me out on a lot of castings that day all over the city. Very quickly had to figure out the metro system, had to figure out language barriers, had to figure out how to introduce myself at a casting. I'd never met that many people before. I'd never done anything of that sort. And just right away, first, first day off the plane, I was just dove into it and started booking jobs and started going on shoots and just kind of evolved and it was really fun um so I did that and then I went on to Tokyo and that was basically my life just going back and forth between those two cities and working full-time until I until I was 18. (laughs) Wow so you were there for that whole time? I came back to Oklahoma um for a bit I do I would do Singapore, Tokyo, Oklahoma, Singapore, Tokyo, Oklahoma, every time and get like, you know, a good little mix of home and family, but also modeling was something I wanted to do. And it was something that I had a lot of fun with. So if I could be over there, that was where I wanted to be. (laughs) So, so like during this whole time, you're like kind of, do you taking like online classes and still doing schoolwork as well as like being rushed around the, the world basically and modeling? Yeah. So I went to my first semester of high school, freshman year at Piedmont, and then I switched over to an online school. And that's what I did whenever I was over there was online schooling in between my, you know, my crazy schedule with castings and and photo shoots and runway shows and in the whole thing. Um, I log on at night and try to get my schooling done. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So I was in, I went to Japan in 2014. And we thought we kind of stayed, there was like a mall area and shopping center and stuff. Okay. And they take fashion to a new level in Japan, right? Oh, like for absolutely. me, like what I see, like when you're walking through a store or whatever, like the way I kind of explain it to people over here or, or back home was that when you, when you drive, when you go to a store and you see like the person in the store, someone has dressed a mannequin, right? And they kind of push the boat out when they dress the mannequin, mm-hmm. like runway stuff. Like it's, it's out there. That they just walk into a store and say, I want the entire, and they would wear their entire outfit. It's the first time I've ever seen that other than on a runway. Absolutely. But it's not just one person. It's every single person. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. They, they love it. And that was, so I went to Singapore for a couple of months first and that's, that's a culture, not entirely 
not as big, I guess, of a culture shock as it was going to Tokyo. So I kind of like was able to get myself acclimated a little bit. Um, but then yes, I did go to Tokyo and right away, the first week I was there, I went to castings for Tokyo fashion week. And so not only was I thrown in with the culture and with everybody there, but then they had in all their biggest stars, people from all over the world flying in for this event, for this week of fashion week there in Tokyo. And so it was just that times a hundred. And so, yeah, it is kind of like what you said, like whenever you see store mannequins, um, it's that, but they take it even to the next level head to toe and they go all out and it's, it's truly amazing what they do. Yeah, no, it is. And I was like, the first time I saw someone, I was like, okay, that's not real. Like, and then I just kept seeing this, you know, people I'm like, okay, this is clearly a thing here. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're like, it is incredible. And to the point where like their pets were also part of their accessory and their outfit. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to have, you know, your dog and your little purse that you're carrying on your shoulder in the stroller. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. This is a big deal here. Uh, <laughs> So this whole time then, you're like thrown in the deep end, basically, halfway around the world. You have support around you and, and obviously IMG and, and everyone there that's making sure that you're taken care of and you've got every need and like, but you're also got to be pretty independent as well. So Absolutely. Yeah. But what is uh, it, I guess, what is it like when, when, when you're, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, growing up as well? I mean, you're working, right? So, so you've got a business, you are a business, you've got to get savvy to not have anyone be like taking advantage of the work that you're doing and paying you nothing. Like how is all that structured to make sure that, you know, you're really taken care of. And then also for you, you're growing up fast, you're working, you know, when someone starts work at like 16 and that or 15, 16, and they get their first tax check or whatever, they get the first tax, the taxes like, whoa, but you're thrown in the deep end. So you must've learned all that stuff really soon as well. Like, how was that? Absolutely. Um, so like I said, I, I agree so much of the industry, um, is, is who you are. And I had to learn a lot of independence very early on because I did, I would go to set and I would be, you know, the 14 year old girl. And then there was the photographer, the hair and makeup artist, the stylist, all these people in their 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, and those were the people I was surrounded with every single day because I didn't go to high school. My friends were people who were twice, three times my age. And so I think simply being around them helped a lot, but it is, it is true. When I first went there, like I said, my first day I stepped off the plane and they sent me list of castings and I took the metro to all these places I had to learn very quickly how to get myself around how to find where I need to go how to ask strangers for help which is something you know like yeah 13 14 year old enough you know how to talk to people but also it's like you I've always had my mom there I always had her driving around and now I was here and I was alone and all these people in a city I had never been to didn't know how to get myself home if I needed to or if my phone were to die you very much have to figure out how to be independent and how to be strong and kind of stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, I would, I would go to these castings and so much of our industry is confidence and selling yourself. Um, because usually you go to a casting and sometimes, yeah, I'm the only person there. Sometimes there are a hundred girls up for the same job as you. And a lot of the times they'll have a specific look in their mind. Like I'm blonde. I've got green eyes, freckles, whatever. But when there are a hundred of you, the only thing that's really going to make you stand out is the work you do and then who you are as a person. So you have to kind of sell your personality. Um, so I had a great deal of that in Singapore, um, simply because I was the one who was taking myself everywhere and I was the one who was pitching myself and proposing myself. Once I got to Tokyo, 
because they speak Japanese over there, it was a whole other city. So I had a driver who would drive me to every casting and drop me off and do all the translating for me. They would say my name, my age, where I was from, you know, what I did, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so that was great. But then once I booked the job, I had to figure out how to get there myself and how to communicate with everybody myself and how to please the client through this language barrier, which was sometimes quite tricky. Um, so honestly, I think it was just months and months and years and years of being thrown in a new scenario every single day with a new person, because for a lot of people, you go to work every day and you're around a lot of the same people. Mm-hmm. When you're a model, you go to work every day and it's a group of like 10 new people every single day. So I think just constantly meeting new people and having to be thrown in there and trying to be, you know, please everybody and trying to be a happy, friendly, positive person to work with, um, just taught me a lot, just repeatedly doing it and being thrown in there and just keep showing up and keep trying and keep putting yourself forward, even after rejection, or even if there is a shoot that that you don't know how it went, because you can't, you can't understand what they're saying and you just kind of have to read the body language and hope that they're happy. Mm -hmm. Um, you just got to keep, keep going and keep doing it. And so that's what I did. And eventually I think you'll build some confidence and you'll build some maturity and you'll build, I don't know, just kind of a reassurance of, of what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like you said, you just kind of read, you know, you build your confidence and it becomes like normal to you then, doesn't it? And you get used Mm -hmm. to it and you know, it's, you, like you said, you're basically meeting people for the first time every single day. So once you've done that and you know, you don't have to, you know, some people listening might be like, I hate meeting new people. Right. Cause you don't do it very often. They yeah. get nervous or they get sweat palms or whatever it is. But you, like you walk in, you're like, this is who I am. You know, I know what I'm doing, but also I've done this a million times before. And like you just said, it doesn't matter if, if you walk into a job and it's not because it's not necessarily you that they don't like, you didn't get it. It's not because it's like, they don't like you. It's just not what they're looking for at that point. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. like, mm-hmm. Sophia made a great point. Sophia Jans on the podcast last year. And she made a great point saying that like, everyone's dressed the same to the ones that she would go to saying everyone dresses the same. Everyone walks the same. It's mm-hmm. just what they're looking for. Not, you've got to be like kind of thick skinned and realize that like, it's not to do with me personally, but it's not what they're looking for. Right. Absolutely. And then that takes, Well, first of all, that can definitely take a toll on your confidence Mm -hmm. for sure. Because to be able to get to that place of understanding, like I said, I've been in this for 10 years and I love Sophia. She's a really good friend of mine. She's been in it for almost just as long. And so we've had 10 years to get to that point. Mm -hmm. But I can absolutely say with confidence that whenever I was 13, 14 and they were rejecting you and and you don't know why, simply because you're being put up for a job based on how you look, that can really, really hurt and really hit you hard. You're like, okay, well maybe, maybe I'm not pretty enough or maybe I'm not tall enough or maybe I'm not skinny enough or maybe I'm not all these different things. And and you get rejected every single day in this industry. Even now I still get rejected every single day. I went to three castings yesterday. Might book one of them. Hopefully I book all three, but the chances of that are so slim. And so you do eventually you just have to learn that you can't take it personally. It's not who you are. It is something that they're looking for, but it can certainly, the fashion industry has so many sides to it and so many positives, but it also has so many, not necessarily cons, but just things that can really affect a person negatively if you let it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. Especially at that young age. Right. And you, like I said, you start doubting yourself. Why am I not getting this? Is it because I'm not pretty or whatever it is? Like, you know, it's not the way I walk. And I'm sure like, it takes a while to get used to that and get over that and get thick skinned and just get used to saying that like, okay, I'm going to not book everything. Like 
it's just a numbers game. I'll just keep book, keep showing up, keep showing up, and eventually you do book one, mm-hmm. and that might lead to another five or six different ones, right? It's just you just got to keep showing up, and that's something that doesn't have to be the modeling industry. That could be any industry, right? If you keep putting in the effort and showing up, and you know, like I said, being present and wanting to succeed, then eventually you're going to knock the door down, which is awesome. Absolutely, consistency and persistency are two of the most I don't know, great life lessons that anyone could ever take away. I think like you just got to keep showing up and eventually when you put the effort in, you're going to get somewhere, you know, you're going to get something from it. And so I, yeah, I learned that at a very early age, but also, so a funny thing is whenever you're sent overseas, um, you are placed in what is called a model apartment. And so when I first arrived, my agency put me up in an apartment, which was typically like three bedrooms. And it was full of other girls who were anywhere from, you know, my age, like 14 to, to 24, who were also from other countries. And so we would all live together. Sometimes there were 10 of us in an apartment. Yeah. And so you would see all these girls out going to their castings or going to their jobs or you, they'd come home and they'd be like, this is what I did today. This client is who I worked for, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so not only do you have you know, this list of like castings that you've gone to that maybe you didn't book. But then on top of that, you've got all these girls surrounding you that are like, Hey, I did this great job today or this client liked me today. And so it's just another level of something that can really take a toll on your confidence. Yeah, no doubt. And I know like that you meant, obviously Sophia is a good friend, I'm sure, but you, you, and I'll, for the people listening, I'll link that podcast down below as well, because she's got a great story too. And, and tells of that exact thing you just mentioned of the experience of being in a house or a rental apartment or whatever with all these other girls and like everyone's great, but also everyone's competing against each other and you're all from around the world. And it's such a weird scenario. But it really is. And yeah. And you've got to, cause you, you just mentioned you're competing against each other and that is something that's true. But I do want to say for everybody who who's not in the industry and who probably thinks that honestly, so many of my close friends are models and we go up against each other for the same jobs all the time, but we've all kind of, we have this understanding right now where we're not really competing against each other because we can't necessarily change a lot of the way about how we look. So if you're a brunette and I'm a blonde and that person gets picked for the job, I can't do anything about that. Or if they, it's, it's funny, we are going up for the same jobs, but at the end of the day, it's not us individually or our personalities that they're choosing. Again, it's just how we look and it's something we can't really change. And so you just kind of have to accept that. And so I think for a lot of the new girls, they go into it with the mentality of I've got to compete against every single person here. Mm-hmm. And that's scary and that's intimidating, but eventually you learn, no, that's not it. Like we all support each other. We're all going to get booked for different things. And you know, you just got, you got to be friends with each other and support the other girl because you know, if, if it's meant for you, they're going to book you. If it's meant for her, they're going to book her and tearing each other down does no good. So just continue to build each other up. And, and it's, it's a really great thing. <laughs> no, you're right. That's a great point. Like, like, like I said, it's not necessarily, you know, you can't do anything about it if they want a brunette and you're blonde, right? Like it's not, a, it's not your, yeah. um, what about the culture shock of going to Japan compared? I mean, like you said, Singapore was a little easier because it's kind of westernized, but like mm-hmm. going to, I mean, it's so different. It is insanely different. (laughs) Just random little tidbit here. I was there for so long. I recently just ate sushi again for the first time in like five, six years. (laughs) (laughs) The other day, because I had it on set every single day for months and months at a time. And so when I got back, because you know everybody loves sushi now, it's such a big like. 
crave or craze. And, um, I just recently had again, I was like, listen, man, like I'll finally try it, but I'm just going to let you know, like I had this every day for like five years, like I'm good. <laughs> um, so that was just kind of one little thing. Um, but there's so many things like that. I mean, first of all, the Japanese culture or the people there are genuinely some of the most nicest people I have ever met. Um, so I was always very, very lucky that I think, you know, it was quite obvious I was not from there. I'm a nearly six foot tall blonde person <laughs> amongst a sea of like five foot, you know, tiny little, little Japanese, yeah. um, kids or, or adults or whoever's there. But, um, I don't know. It was, it was, it was insane. I mean, I couldn't walk down the street and read anything. I couldn't communicate with anybody. I had to download Google translate on my phone and try to find a place with free Wi-Fi So I could maybe like communicate with someone if I was lost or, or try to get home or just, I mean, the culture shock was insane. I've never experienced anything like that. Even 10 years later with all of the new places I've traveled, I think Japan was was definitely just some somewhere everybody should go Tokyo in general. I think it's a beautiful city and I love it so much. I have so much respect for the people in the culture there, but it was seriously a whole new world and <laughs> I just had to embrace it and I learned to love it. And, and I think, you know, as long as you do embrace it and you, you find the good in it, then you can definitely do that. But 100%. thrown in was, was insane. And I was so lucky that I had drivers and trans translators for the most part, but then on my off days when I didn't, um, it was, it was kind of scary. You have to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. I, a, fr a friend, I say, I say a friend, he was a previous college professor taught English in China. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that like, she had people come up to it because she had like, she said, she just had people in her class or the kids would walk up to her and just like touch her face. She's like, are you real? Like, like just kind of like, because you are so different, right? Because like you said, you're almost six foot and they're not, you're something that they've never seen before other than, on a magazine spread or in a movie or whatever it is. He's, she, she said that people would just come up to me while in class. Like my students would just come up and be like, are you real? Like stop touching me. Absolutely. One of my favorite pictures of all time is me on my first trip to Japan. So I was like 14 and it was my mom and I, we had an off day and we just went to visit a temple. Um, and I don't know specifically which temple it was, but I'm sure my phone has the location saved. And this little girl, I mean, I don't know how old she was anywhere from like four to six came up and her mom came up and her mom kind of like spoke a little English. And she just asked, she was like, can we take a picture with you? And I was like, that's like, I, I've never done anything before. Like this was the second city I'd ever traveled to. I hadn't really done anything of significance yet. And this little girl was just like, can I take a picture specifically with you? And so I just thought it was the cutest thing and the sweetest thing. And it was also just so, so insane how, because I was this one person who stood out in a sea amongst everybody else. She was just like, you're, you're special. Like you're here. You're, can I like take a picture with you? I want to be like seen and noticed with you. And I was like, that's insane. Um, so yeah, there were so many experiences like that. That's just one that comes to mind simply because she was a sweet, cute little girl, but no, I mean, there were people who'd come up to you on the street and some of the, I know just like Japanese, um, few words, but some of the ones I remember are like sagoi and kawaii and those mean like cute or pretty or something like that. And people would just come up to you on the street and say that. And you just, you know, nod your head and be like, thank you. Thank you. Like, yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, but no, everywhere you went, you were never under the radar because you stood out every single place that you went to, <laughs> which had its pros and its cons, you know, one, somebody was always going to notice me and help me get my way back home. But then also you could never just be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, 
I'm not surprised to hear that story, right? Because that's just kind of what I've heard in the past. But so all this experience goes on. You're having a great time. You're kind of circling, like I said, Singapore, Tokyo, back to Oklahoma. When then do you like come back to the States full time and IMG? Is that, you know, is that when you get to like working modeling age in the States and IMG is like, come on, you got to come back. We got, we got jobs for you back here. Yeah. So I moved to New York. Uh, either right before or right after I turned 18. Um, and it was simply because I had just turned 18 and I was able to book any job now. Um, so I did, I, I packed my suitcase once again, every time I've gone somewhere, I live out of a suitcase. I never know how long I'm going to be there. I might end up staying for months or I might end up staying for years, but I just pack my suitcase and I go up there and I started off in a model apartment as well. Went out to a few castings um, for show castings. Fashion Week was about to come up. And I did that. And I just, New York is also, New York is the spot for modeling. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where you're from. If you go to New York and you start booking jobs, you've made it. Um, so I was thrown in with a little experience from Asia, but into a whole new world. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I was going up against models whose names anybody would know. I was with an agency that has like Giselle, one of the top supermodels of all time, Kate Moss, Naomi Campbell. I was going to castings against Victoria's Secret angles, against people who were on the cover of Vogue currently, against people who rocked every single fashion week. I was there in that room with them. And so one, that was an honor, but two, that was also scary. (laughs) And so I just had to, like we talked about earlier, I just kept going and I kept going to the castings and I kept showing up and I was exhausted and I was tired and I was hungry and probably not making a ton of money at the time, but I just kept going and kept showing up. And I eventually moved there. Um, like I said, I kind of packed my suitcase and I never really fully came back home. I just kind of accumulated stuff and got my own apartment. And that's what I did just on the grind every single day until you make those connections. And then you, you're entering into this world of, of people who are going to book you on, on amazing jobs and amazing shoots and, and who not only are professional connections, but then I became really good friends with and kind of had a community of people with out there, but it was essentially just through showing up every single day. Yeah. And, and I'm sure like going to New York, right. People listening that are from Oklahoma that might've been in the same situation as you were in high school or growing up, you're like, you didn't go anywhere. Right. You kind of maybe went on a road trip, you maybe went to a different state, but you never jumped on a plane and flew or whatever. And mm-hmm. the idea of going to New York probably scares them to death. Right. It's people everywhere. It's, you know, for people who grow up in the country or in Oklahoma, where it's not really a big city, Going to New York, like it gives me anxiety even thinking about it because I would be like standing on a street thinking I have no idea what I'm doing. There's people running around and like I'm sure it's not that bad, but that's just the anxiety you think of. But because you've been around the world, it wasn't such a big deal for you to go to New York. You're just like I can figure this out. I've been to Tokyo where they don't speak a word of English and there's no English signs anywhere. I right. get Google Translate, so why not go to New York? Let's make it. Exactly. Um, I think because I had already been to Asia, going somewhere that was our country (laughs) was um, a really nice kind of perk and also just like a short little flight home. So for me, once I had already, like I said, I'd had four years under my belt of traveling across the world. I was, I was good to go. I was like, New York, yeah, that's still home for me. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I went there and like I said, it was a short flight home. If I ever wanted to come home or got homesick, I could come home for a weekend for a day or whatever. But at that point, I think I was just so well-versed in the traveling industry and, and the meeting new people every single day, um, you know, aspect of it that I just went there. And I think for me, because not only did I move around a lot as a child growing up, but then I started off at 14 in a different country. I think for me, I very much live like by the motto that home is where the heart is or where you're 
people are. And so for me, even just a few months in New York, I was like, okay, like I can easily make this home. Like I, my home is my suitcase essentially. And as long as I find good people, then, then I'm happy here. And, and also, you know, at this point I had four years under my belt. I had done quite a few things. I'd worked for quite a few amount of people had my, you know, magazine covers and things like this. Um, so all I wanted to do was work. I was hungry for work. And so once I started seeing the results and started being booked on jobs or being able to walk fashion week, I think that really, really pushed me as well. That was like fuel, you know, that I needed. Right. What is that first? Like, well, I guess to that point then from like when you started from like 14 to 18, you're back in New York. Like what is like that big breakthrough moment that you had other than, I mean, like, you know, you, you're, you're, you're sent across the world, you're booking jobs. It's great. You know, getting experience in the industry. What was that moment that was like, Oh my gosh, this is the biggest thing that's happened to me up until now. It's probably the first time I worked for Vogue would be pretty cool. <laughs> um, when I was in Singapore, the first time I ever went, when I was 14, I ended up booking four covers um, in the first two months I was there. So that honestly, right off the bat was really cool for me. I was on the cover of this magazine called style. I was on the cover of female twice. And then there's one called, um, Des- design mm-hmm. that I was on the cover of. So those right off the bat were really cool. And then I also booked a campaign for a large fashion mall there in Singapore. Um, then this was when I was 14, I went over to Japan and I started working for brands like George Armani. I did a show there. I worked, I had a campaign for Converse and they actually made me, this is really cool. I still have them. They made me into little stickers, um, Converse stickers that whenever you opened a magazine, they were there like a little pamphlet just to hand out for free. And so like everybody in Japan just had my little stickers. Um, so things like that were really cool. But then once I got to New York, I booked my first, well, I booked my, one of my first jobs there. I booked a cover of a big fashion magazine in New York. And so that was really cool because it was me and there were two other girls on the cover. And I can't remember exactly who they are at this moment, but both of those models were big names who were already established. And so I remember when I got this cover, my agent called me and she was like, cause there were like 10 girls off the shoot. She called me and she was like, Madison, like, you're not going to believe it. I was like, what? Like, Oh geez. Like what now? What went wrong? <laughs> and she was like, no, you got the cover. And I was like, the cover of what? I didn't even know I was up for a cover. I thought we were just shooting to be in the magazine. She was like, you got the cover along with like such and such and such and such. And so I was like, that's insane. So I think that was really cool. But then getting to be in Vogue, I've worked for Vogue Japan and Vogue Australia. Um, and I think that really was just like something that every model aspires to do. So I think that was probably my first major thing where I was like, I can, I feel accomplished now. Like, I feel like I've done something. <laughs> yeah. Cause of all those years of hard work, right. All of, the, all of those auditions around the world that, you didn't get right. And it's just, it's a numbers game. And then like for being, like I said, consistency and persistency, it works out and you know, you keep going up and finally you get to a spot and they're like, you're exactly what we're looking for. Let's make mm-hmm. it work. You've done all the hard work. Mm-hmm. It's not like you show up on your first day and they're like, okay, you're exactly what we're looking for. But now we have to like fast track you and train you into walking and doing everything right. And like, you're, you know, it's just hard work, isn't it? Like there's all it boils down to is showing up and working hard and being consistent and you'll be, you'll get it at the end. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, because some of these, it's not like I had never been up for Vogue before I'd been up for Vogue since I was 14 years old and it took me four years, but I finally got it. Mm -hmm. And some of these, you know, the person who casted me was a casting director who I had casted for so many times at fashion week, more times than I could possibly count. Like to the point where whenever I saw his name pop up on my email, like you have to go here again. I was like, why? Like, I already know he doesn't like me. He hasn't booked me before. Why are you sending me back there? And then he eventually did 
did book me for a couple shows, but he also, he's the one who booked me for my first Vogue editorial. And so it is, it's like, you just, you keep showing up and maybe you see the same people a hundred times. Maybe they reject you a hundred times, but you just, you go there and eventually one day, maybe they, they see something they like or something that has changed or you're right for the right project finally. And they're going to remember you because they've seen you so many times and you've taken that rejection and you've just kept showing up. And so that's kind of what happened. No doubt. Uh, Heather told me to ask you about the trip to Mexico before you went to New York. Oh, yes. <laughs> See, I already forgot all about Mexico. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so in between Asia and New York, I went to Mexico City for about six weeks, two months. And at the time when my agents from New York were like, hey, we want to send you down there. I think you would ask earlier if my family had always been very supportive. And I say yes. But when I say that I mentioned Mexico City, I think everybody was a little hesitant. Um, as, any, and- as any parent would, right? Mexico City's crazy if you've never been there before right right i mean yeah when you think about it like they're like yeah go to asia that's really far away but like you know you're safe but then they're like mexico city like a four-hour flight from oklahoma city like or three-hour flight like a little sketchy you know um i went there though and i was immediately immersed in the culture once again because i have agents there and i'm sent out every single day on castings meeting new people do you have a driver in mexico as well do i what you have a driver in mexico as well I did not. In Mexico, I had to figure it out for myself. Okay. Um, but Mexico, I, I have a lot of things I could say about Mexico City, good and bad. Um, but at the end of the day, I got what I went for, which was essentially a lot of work in editorials. So I was able to do like Harper Bazaar. I did L. I did Cosmo. I had a Cosmo cover in Mexico. Yeah. Um, so my experiences there weren't necessarily my favorite, um, but they were very beneficial to me. And so it's for any aspiring model, if any agent recommends you go into Mexico City, um, I say it's definitely a great place to go for the work and you can easily get a lot of work. Just don't expect a lot in return in terms of payment or it's just a very different industry. I think the rules there are very lax, Um, but at the end of the day, you you do gain a lot from it. So, so then from Mexico, you go to New York, you're a great time in New York. You, like you said, you have that breakthrough moment. You're in fashion, mm-hmm. you, you know, constantly you're walking, going to shows for all it is. When you, when you make the switch and think, you know what? LA is calling. It's sunny. The beach is great. It's 70 every day for the most part. Like what, what, and I'm sure the diff, the difference in markets as well in LA to New York must be totally different. Like Absolutely. What, what gets you to think, you know what? Why not? I've done the New York thing. Let me tackle LA now. LA had always been somewhere where I wanted to end up. Mm-hmm. I remember before I even signed in New York, I mentioned to Heather, I was like, I want to go to LA. Like LA is my city. And because the markets are so different, she always strongly pushed for me to go to New York. Gotcha. And once I signed in New York, they kind of agreed. They were like, don't go to LA. Like you don't want to do that. And <laughs> <so> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's always kind of like a tug of war, like which city wants you, which city can get you. Um, so I agreed and they are two very, very different uh, markets and career paths. And so I did that. And I think once I'd had those couple of years under my belt in New York and felt like I was established, like, you know, I, I've got my, my clients that I know are going to book me. I've got, you know, a decent, um, you know, rate coming in, um, salary wise. And I've got, you know, the, the, um, oh my gosh, what's it called? The, the connections <laughs> of the industry. Right. You've got a reputation as well, right? People know the name now. Yeah. 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 So I think at that point for me, 
when I was in New York, I necessarily, I didn't necessarily love the city. I was there purely for work. And that's not the best way to live your life. And I I did it. Right. Because you don't have to worry about like, I guess you're not thinking about work-life balance at that time. You're thinking, I need to go make a name for myself. I'm going to work. I'm going to go to every casting thing I can. Like I'm here to earn money and put my name out there. But Mm -hmm. I'm sure it will, like I said, it, it wore on you a little bit to where you're thinking, I need a life now. Absolutely. Um, so I did that for three years and, and don't get me wrong. Whenever I would book a big job or something that would reassure me, I loved it and it was great, but that was really what I was living for. And I think I finally just got to a point where I realized that's not necessarily the best way to live your life. Mm-hmm. And so once again, I packed a suitcase and I, and I told my friends, um, that I was coming out here and asked if I could stay in their spare room just for like a week to meet with my agency, go to a few castings. Mm-hmm. Well, I got out here and that week turned into three years now <laughs> and I haven't really gone back. And I think it's simply just because I love LA. I love this city. I love the people here. I have so many great friends. I love all the opportunities that are here. I love the weather. I go to the beach every single day and I no longer just strive for my life to be work and for that to really just, you know, propel me. Now, I work and that I am a model and that's something I do, but I'm also a person who's, you know, I'm recently started taking acting classes and I just filmed a music video and I'm, I'm doing things like that, that I'm aspiring to do. And I, and I go hang out with my friends every day and I just live in a city that I genuinely love and could spend the rest of my life with. Um, but it's also one where I can still be a model. Right. Um, the markets are entirely different. I no longer really do fashion week. Um, I no longer work for necessarily some of the biggest designers, but I do work for a lot of good clients out here. I currently am have a mix campaign, um, their makeup brand, and it's in every single target. You know, I've seen it at my local target here. My mom has sent me pictures from our local target in Oklahoma. Um, I have worked currently in Sephora. I have worked, you know, all over the place. I, I did an Aeropostale campaign not all that long ago, and that was in every single mall's, you know, store window. And that was something that was really cool. I also just filmed a thing for a cosmetic company that will be a commercial on video. So I think that'll probably be national as well. So it's definitely a different realm of work, but it's something that I'm still able to do while live a very happy life. And I think that's what everybody needs. Everybody needs a good balance and just needs to genuinely be happy (laughs) in their life. For sure. I I mean, it makes total sense. Right. And then I think to that point, we're probably that, that exact reason is probably the reason that you're still doing it. Right like 10 years from a young age to still be in the industry. A lot mm-hmm. of, it seems like a lot of like people just get burned out or they just do one thing where it seems like being away and going to Tokyo or going, going overseas was like one thing you've done. And then you came back and it's like, okay, now I'm going to do New York. So even though you've been in the industry for so long, you've had like a different journey the whole way. So it's not like you've just done exactly the same thing for 10 years and got burned out. Mm-hmm. You've always kind of found something like, oh, I'm going to do this now. And you've kind of naturally adapted to it, which is Absolutely. really great. And also, it's funny that you mentioned that the burnout because pre-COVID, right before, I really had just a point where I was like, maybe this is something I no longer want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy. I'm not healthy because we haven't talked about this yet, but the fashion industry has so much strain on a lot of people's mental health, especially when you're a model. Um, so I was just, I was not happy and I was not healthy and I was not necessarily okay. And so I seriously considered like, I need to take a step back from this, but also I've been doing it for 10 years. I was like, well, what do I do then? And so it was scary because for so long, it was my entire identity. 
Um, but then COVID hit. And I know for so many people, and you, you know, for me as well, it's something that has just changed our lives, not necessarily in, in a great way. And it's really affected a lot of people. But for me, I also think that I was able to use that time to myself because our industry shut down for so long to kind of take a step back and work on me and work on, you know, getting, you know, a better mindset about myself and my body and and not having to show up to set every day to kind of like take that step back and then realize, Hey, I do kind of miss it and get reinvigorated and reset my goals, realign myself with what I want to do, but also put myself first because I had essentially a year off to focus on myself now coming into, into this year, into 2021, I was like, you know what? I am happy and I am healthy and I'm going to stay that way and prioritize myself first and my career second. And it's funny ever since I did that, my agents are now, they, they said at my first zoom meeting back, I was in Oklahoma um, right after new year's. I had a zoom call with them. I was like, Hey, I'm getting ready to come back. They were like, what did you do? Like, you look good. And I was like, I, I haven't done anything seriously. Like I, 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 putting so much less stress on myself about how I look and, and what I'm doing. And I think that ended up showing through. And so it was funny. I didn't even go into it saying like, Hey, I've worked on myself, but I, I came to LA and they were like, you're different and we can tell. And since then, you know, my career 2019, 2020 to 2021 has been drastically different. Mm -hmm. And it's something that it's like 10 years in the industry. You always hear everybody be like, yeah, I really found myself like once I started working on myself and you're always like, Oh, that's like not the answer I want to hear. But for me, it's true. Like, yeah, give me the playbook. How do I do this? Like I need, I need like steps. Exactly. And you're just like, Oh, that's so annoying. Like you're saying that like you got what you wanted by not putting any effort into it. Like, no, stop that. But (laughs) but it's kind of true because I, I don't know. Like, like I, when I was in New York, um, when I was 14, I, I was on the cross country team. I ran track and field. I was very athletic, very healthy. I was a size two. And immediately whenever I signed with my first agency, they're like, okay, you've got to lose weight. And so for me, my weight and like eating disorders and everything has always been such like a big part of my life. And then COVID hit and I didn't have to go to set for a year. So I was like, you know what? I can do whatever I want. Nobody cares. And so I just kind of took that and I went with it, but instead of like letting myself just go full out and, you know, not be healthy, I took it to mean like, you know what, I'm going to balance it out. I'm going to start working out and work on my mental health, but also, you know, kind of relax what my diet's like. And so I just found this good mix and and it ended up working and I'm just putting myself first. And I think with the fashion industry and whenever you're a model, you are selling essentially the clothes, but also yourself and what vibe you're giving off, how you look, how healthy you are. And so, I don't know, I think clients now notice maybe there's a little, there's something different about me. There's a, there's a confidence and just like a reassurance in who I am that's different than it had been. But it really took, for me, it was COVID that made that happen in that year off. Um, because before that, I was certainly in a burnout where I was like, I don't know if I can continue. Yeah. And, and like you said, you, they notice a difference as soon as you walk in the door, right? You're probably walking a little different. You're carrying yourself a little different. You've got to like, you know what? I've just, I've had a year off. I'm refreshed. I'm ready to do this now. And like, let's, let's kick ass and let's, let's do whatever we need to do. But you're right. I'm sure there were a time where you just like, get me off this stage or get me out of this place. I just want to go home. I just want to put my sweats on, give mm-hmm. me a tub of ice cream and watch Netflix for the rest of the my time because I'm done. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> as far as you mentioned, kind of like going into LA and you mentioned a music video and just kind of branching out to just different avenues. And, and Heather made the point. She texted me, she said, she's what we call in the industry, a crossover model. 
uh, and that you can do editorial commercial, uh, mm-hmm. which is really good. Right. But also like, you know, it seems like it's not just that now you're going into, you know, wanting to be in movies or, or whatever it is. Like, it seems like you're always kind of, I don't get the feeling that you're ever content. Right. It seems like the feeling that you're always looking for like, okay, I'm good at this. This was fun. I'll put this in my arsenal. What else can I be good at? And you just, yeah. you just kind of flow with it. Absolutely. But, and that's a great way to look at it. And I think I like to maybe think of myself as that, like, yeah, I always want more and go after more, but I think really, truly, if I'm being honest, what it is for me is it's just something that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. You know, modeling typically is something that I find a lot of joy in, um, and to have for the past 10 years. However, now that I'm getting a little older and realizing more about myself and coming into myself and, and the industry as a whole, yeah. I do want to make that switch into the film industry. And so I started taking classes recently and all, I mean, it's LA, it's Hollywood, all of my friends out here are actors and something I've just found through being around them is just their, their presence is so fun and confident and they just, I, I don't know, they're, they're a different breed. And so I started taking classes recently and I went into it in my first class, everybody introduced themselves and they were like, tell us about your experience. Everybody in this class, granted it was a foundations class. I thought I was like going to be like amongst everybody else who was a newbie. No, they go in there and they're like, yeah, we've trained for like seven years at this program or like, yeah, I've been on this show and this show or like my last audition, I went up against this big guy and I was sitting there. I was the first one to go and just be like, yo, so this is my first class ever. No idea what I'm doing. I'm just here to see if I like it. And I've just continued to do it. And I love it now. It's Thursday mornings. And last Thursday I had to miss a class because I was on set for a job. And I remember looking down at my phone at 10 30 and I was just like, I don't want to be in class right now. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's just finding new avenues that bring me joy, I think. And if it's something I can turn into a career, then you know what? Two for one, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And and like, you know, I mean, you've been in this industry for tw- 10 years, right? You're 23, 24 years old. In the mm-hmm. grand scheme of things, you've got a lot of life left to live, right? I mean, there's plenty of things left to do. Uh, what's kind of like your plan for the future and, and kind of where do you want to go? And again, I don't seem, you do, I get the feeling that you're not someone that just says, when I'm 30, I'm going to be doing this. And it seems like from just listening to you chat for 45 minutes, it seems like you just kind of happy, open to new opportunities, do things that you want to do. And I'm kind of the same way. I'm like, if I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. But like I started this podcast because it seemed like fun to do it. And it just, mm-hmm. something. so now my dog is going nuts, but you know, what is it like, I guess, going into the future or what opportunities are coming up that you're excited about and kind of where are you going to stay in LA or are you ever going to come back to Oklahoma? Kind of like, where do you see you're going? You know, it's funny. Every time I get this question, I never know how to answer it because kind of like you said, my life is ever changing. And every single day as a model, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. I get my schedule for tomorrow at 6 PM tonight. And so I just have had 10 years of just going with the flow every single day. And so that's kind of how I live my life to a certain degree, but if I would have to like, you know, set out a picture for myself, I want to continue modeling as long as I can simply as long as it makes me happy. Um, because it's, it's a fun thing to do. It's great experience. I meet amazing people. Um, and also, you know, it's, it's a pretty easy job, um, that pays decently well. And so I think to not ride that out to its fullest would not necessarily, you know, be too, too smart. Like it's something I want to do as long as I'm continue, can continue to stay happy and healthy in it. Um, but I do definitely want to start moving into this acting realm. 
So I actually, it's funny, right after this, my agent just sent me a self tape that I have to do so to like submit an audition. So I'll do that and just continue to take my classes. And, and I recently connected on that music video with the director of it. And he was like, yeah, I'll definitely like pitch you to other people. So anything that that, you know, gives me or takes me, I want to go into that. And so who knows, maybe nothing ever comes of it, but I'm not afraid to say, Hey, I want this. And if I fail, I fail. Okay. But I want it. And I'm going to try for it. And so we'll see where that goes. Who knows? Maybe it goes nowhere. Maybe it goes somewhere. Um, other than that, I don't know. I just want to, I think I do want to stay here in LA. I really love the city. Um, even though it's the first place that even though my family's not here, really truly feels like a place I could live for the rest of my life. Um, so I just want to, I don't know, right now, I think those two industries, the modeling and the acting industry are where I see my future going. Um, if anything comes from the outside and wants to come into my life, then I'm down for it. I'm so open for it. But right now I think those two are what I, what yeah. I have planned. That's awesome. I mean, there's people listening to you say that you don't know what you're doing tomorrow until you get your schedule that are probably like, looking at their phone right now or like screaming out loud because that gives them so much anxiety but I also live the same way like I'm kind of like I do plan probably a couple of weeks ahead but it's not like here's a three-year plan he's like because I think that if you do that like you're kind of structuring yourself down a certain path that mm -hmm. if an opportunity comes up you might not necessarily be able to go think you know I'm gonna put that on pause and take that it's a mm -hmm. little life that's just kind of you know, yeah, I'm doing this today. Now I'm doing this today. And I, I kind of want every Thursday. Now I go through these classes because that's what I want to do. Like that's, it's a fun way to live. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of envy people listening to you kind of would love to do that too. But, um, I mean, I wish you all the best and, and obviously all the, you know, we wish you all the success and possible and fun things. Keep doing, keep doing your thing. As long as it's happy, you know, as it makes you happy and you get to keep doing it, then, then that's the main goal, right? Is to keep going and, you know, I'm sure you come home and see family every now and then, but like I said, setting your roots in LA and, you know, putting the stamp on the world on the behalf of Oklahoma in LA is probably a really cool thing to do. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, I just want to add one little thing as I've recently reconnected with a great group of people from Oklahoma who live in LA. Um, I, I just yesterday I hung out with my friend, Caitlin. She is from a small little town in Oklahoma. She's now out here. She's a model. She's a host of um, some TV fashion shows downtown. She's an influencer. She does amazing things. One of my good friends, um, Taylor from Tulsa is out here. She's a model. Uh, I recently became friends with this guy, Logan, who's an actor who's from Oklahoma, a photographer I know is from Oklahoma. So it's, it's so cool because Oklahoma is where we're all from. But now that we live out here, we've kind of created our own little pod. Yeah. And Caitlin and I were talking about this yesterday. We want to get together a group of us and we're just listing names. And there's probably like 10 of us that I'm currently friends with that we could all get together and we just want to reconnect. And so there's kind of just like that bond and being from Oklahoma, anytime one Oklahoma makes it somewhere or has a success, we're all just like, you go, like we got you, like we're proud of you. So Oklahoma is definitely like where my roots are and still to this day where, where my people are, even if they're out here in LA, like it's, it's just so connected. And I love that. That's awesome. Do you uh, ever miss throwing on the boots and pair of jeans and just wandering around in the on the farm or out in the country in Woodward? You know what? I can do that here. I go line dancing every once in a while. I have a pair, pair of boots in my closet. <laughs> there's, a, there's a horse ranch not all that far from me. LA is really like, not LA, but California has a lot of vast land. And so you can do whatever you want here. And I've gone to the desert. I've gone up quite a few times. So yes. <laughs> For people listening then, where do they follow you? If they can want to, you know, if there's mothers listening, if their daughters want to get into, you know, the fashion industry or modeling, like how do they reach out? Like what's your Instagram? What's the best way to reach, reach you? 
Yeah, my Instagram is just my name, Madison Sells, S-E-L-L-S. And you can DM me there, or I believe my email is also on there if you want to send me an email, but DMs are just usually easier. And anyone who has any questions or wants any information whatsoever, I'm very, very happy to help. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. For everyone listening, I'll post the links in the description. You can go straight to that. Check out some of Madison's work on her Instagram and obviously the bio and all the stuff's in the, on your Instagram as well. And yeah, we'll catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. The home market is booming and RCB Bank is here for you. If you're in the market to buy a home, a mortgage pre-qualification will make the process much easier. Talk to one of our mortgage professionals today, RCB Bank, that's my bank. With approved credit, terms and restrictions apply, member FDIC, equal housing lender, RCB Bank, NMLS 798151. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.